Hello, welcome to The Man in Light. It's a budget special today. We're live from the Millennium Room in uh, government buildings. Uh, lots of people to talk to today. After one o'clock, uh, John Moss will be uh, joining us and we'll be talking to uh, people uh, explaining a lot, a lot more about what the budget means, what the numbers mean. Of course, we've been uh, uh, we're kind of submerged under a welter of numbers today. GDP, how much everybody's going to pay, where the money's going to go. We'll try and dig down and see where the detail is. Um, the important thing is apparently there are going to be 400 new taxpayers on the Isle of Man and we're running an £11 million surplus. Um, as I mentioned, that news that came out, if you're earning over 42000 a year, you will be paying more national insurance today. Uh, amongst some of the capital projects, uh, £540 million for capital projects over the next five years. Um, something new at the airport as well, a new runway landing system at Ronaldsway, £46 million on the roads over the next five years, and £10 million for green initiatives. Well, with me on the man in line today, we've got uh, former Castletown MHK, former Chief Minister Tony Brown is with us today. Uh, June McGuinness, uh, lead member for finance at Ramsey Commission. Uh, Michael Manning is with us from Gry. Bill Mummery, the uh, prominent businessman, Selton Manx, and involved in the Chamber, of course, as well. Uh, first of all, I want to go to our former Chief Minister, Tony Brown. Uh, your initial thoughts, uh, Mr Brown, on what you've heard so far? Well, I think uh, the budget is what we would always expect. It's an overview of uh, government's finances. Uh, as always, it's limited on detail. It really doesn't always tell the picture. And it's what comes after it that matters, and that's the bit that's not usually said. And that's always been the way, in that it's, we're short on detail and we won't know really what's going to happen for a while. Well, absolutely. If it was so detailed, it's unlikely a budget would get through Tinwald. So uh, it's short on detail by its whole uh, ambience of how it's presented. And it gives a real sort of a broad picture of this is what we're going to spend on that. The detail is what follows through on that, and that's the issue where um, people outside get hit with things that come later that aren't necessarily highlighted in the budget. Um, lots of capital spending, it seems to be, as well, like uh, you know, new stuff at Ronald's Way, Castle Russian High School. They, well, the playing fields, they're saying at the moment, there's nothing in the budget, really, to start building the school yet, is there? Well, there isn't, but that's not unusual. It takes three to five years from when you start to uh, budget for a capital project of that size for it to come to fruition, um, often before you start digging the hole in the ground. Um, I think the important thing is that we all know Castle Russian High School needs to be replaced in the next five to ten years, or ten years I suppose really, um, and to have that and the new public swimming pool on the Castle Russian site uh, for the south of the island is, is something that's important for the people of the south and people of Castown. So I welcome that inclusion in the budget. Um, uh, Bill Mummery, prominent uh, businessman, Selton Manx, uh, and been around in the computer sector for, well, more, more years than he <laughs> tends to remember. What's your view so far, Bill, of what you've seen? Uh, I don't think there are any uh, nasty surprises. And uh, first impressions are there are one or two good moves there that, that will deliver benefit where benefit is needed. Uh, they're talking about one, uh, oh, half a, no, it's a one and a half million pound for fibre broadband on the Isle of Man. Why have we taken so long to get super fast broadband around the Isle of Man? Well, I guess we, we don't have a, a state-owned uh, telecommunications system uh, and it's, to some extent, it's market forces. Uh, also, we'll all be aware of um, uh, delays incurred over matters relating to 5G and Huawei and all of these things have a, a, an impact uh, across across the piece 
um, also we're very likely to get a, another fiber cable transiting across our island which will be good news because it will give us more resilience and more capacity and certainly more capacity to other parts of the world so um, I think we're probably uh, in the round I, I think we're moving at the right pace. Uh, Joe McGuinness uh, lead member for finance Ramsey Commissioners what do you think so far what have you seen? It's very <coughs> steady uh, considering this would be the last full year uh, Alf will have um, as the Treasury Minister I expected maybe to be a bit a bit wild, a bit more well, on to it, but this is just more of the same of the previous three years. Um, and with regards to sort of the capital expenditure, these headline figures with government, it's, it's not so much the, the number, it's the value for money that always interests me. So it's great that they're going to be expending X, but it's whether that X is going to be wisely spent that's the, the real crux of the matter. Anything for Ramsey? Any, any, um, I mean, what are the capital projects that may impact Ramsey? doesn't appear to be very much so uh, far. That's what I was going to say. That, I mean, apart from a nature reserve at the point of air, uh, they're spending £80,000 in a partnership for the for that nature reserve as well. There's a, there's a number of projects that I'm aware of that I would like to believe that because they've previously been mentioned, they wouldn't necessarily come up in this budget. Maybe that's a hope over optimism on my part. But I think there's a fair few infrastructure pro projects already planned for the north. Maybe that's why it's not already not put in this budget. Uh, Michael Manning is with us, and Michael represents Gry, the homeless charity. They work with Housing Matters, uh, and uh, it, uh, that phenomenal statistic that uh, was it over 500 bed nights that Gry provided over the past uh, year or so, is it? It is. We've run a, just a, a pilot scheme for 12 months, January to January, 534 bed spaces over the 12 months. To... I mean, we're talking about big numbers regarding uh, money on the Isle of Man, and still... We have people who simply can't get their own bed, their own place to call home. It doesn't quite square, does it? That's right. I mean, we had contact with 300 different individuals last year who used a variety of our services. Um, those are some of the most vulnerable people in our island. The emergency shelter um, offers welcome to people who've got literally nowhere else to sleep and stay. And so these are people who are in a very vulnerable position. And, and yet when we talk about, you know, money is a facilitator. And of course, there's no such thing as government money. This is public money we're talking about. This is money that has been raised via taxation. And, um, you know, homelessness... Yeah is not happy, you know, and we need a happy island. Everybody has to be happy on the Isle of Man, and having people who are homeless spills out into all sorts of, you know, it, 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 it's a kind of vicious tentacle that, that goes out, and it impacts lots of people. It does. I mean, not only is it um, obviously incredibly distressing for the individuals involved, but it, it says something about a society, about what we're willing to tolerate and what sort of help we're willing to give to those who are on the margins. I mean, I very much welcome the government continue to want to make the island a special place to live and work, an inclusive and caring society. You know, those are very laudable goals. We'd just love to see some more practical action for the most vulnerable. Uh, Bill Mummery. Uh, yeah, again, wearing a hat of uh, Chairman of Housing Matters, um, we had a little over 500 clients last year. There are some major, major uh, uh, issues still to be resolved. You may remember a few years ago there was an attempt to introduce a landlord's registration bill. That did not move forward at that time. I'm hopeful that in the foreseeable future um, that will see the light of day. And what will that do? Well, first of all, um, uh, we have a great dependence on private rental accommodation um, which is uh, one is quite expensive although of course government picks up the bill for 
quite a lot of that, but you also have issues, for example, around uh, uh, deposits that people have paid, and, and when they're trying to move on in their lives, um, the value of that deposit, if they cannot recover it, is a major obstacle for them. Um, we have hidden homelessness here on the Isle of Man. If one goes across to big cities, you will see people in, in, in sleeping bags in doorways. The reason we largely don't have that is because we are a smaller, connected society. But basically what happens is a lot of our homelessness becomes invisible because it migrates to a slightly different level, which is sofa-serving. There's always someone that will put somebody up for a few nights or a week on a sofa somewhere. But as we say time and time again, if you can't choose to go home this evening, you're homeless. Mm. Um, uh, uh, Tony Brown, when you were uh, chief minister, we had homelessness then. And, and I, I can't quite square this, the fact that we are, you know, we have negative unemployment on the Isle of Man and we have people who can't afford somewhere to live and can't live somewhere. Well, I think it's fair to say we've always had homelessness, um, and there are different degrees, as I'm sure Michael would accept. Um, there are people who are homeless and actually don't want to be housed, and they will actually fight the system on that basis. Very small number, but they are there. Um, there's the point that Bill has said about people you know, sleeping at houses of friends and so on and moving. And when, when we say they're homeless, it's not just they're homeless. Some of them have difficulty getting uh, allocated provision for housing. Yeah. Um, the government criteria in the last decade has changed dramatically uh, in terms of how you're eligible to get a public sector house. So lots of people now who before were eligible for public sector housing can't get on the list, they can't get a mortgage, they have to go to the private sector where they pay more than they would pay for a mortgage, uh, and that's their only option. And after that, of course, if they can't get any of those, they end up being homeless. Who breaks that circle then? Well, it's only government can break the circle. I mean, it's a small investment in real terms to improve the quality of life of the people of the Isle of Man. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if you're going to um, provide a new house for somebody, public sector house or whatever, I mean, the cost of that it, to the taxpayer is about, uh, let's say, £150,000 these, these days. Um, and that's about £15,000 uh, a year for over its lifetime of borrowing. Um, the housing deficiency is always raised as a big issue. In fact, it's the biggest income government has is from housing. Um, the deficiency in the Isle of Man is actually very good because we don't borrow externally to provide public sector housing. We do it from our own resources. So if you get a comprehensive housing policy, which there has been, and it's fair, then you'll reduce a lot of these problems. Um, there are a number of issues, and I'm sure others who know better than me, because I'm on the outside these days, um, that are causing problems in the Isle Man. I think having food banks is something in the last decade we've seen develop. I think it's shameful. We shouldn't have them in the Isle of Man. We didn't have them before, unless you go back a long, long time. Uh, and it's really because people's resources are limited, and they're finding it difficult to survive now. Okay, Bill Mummery, and then we'll go to Michael. Yeah, I, I think just to create a, a balanced picture, um, Housing Matters has some very loyal, supportive private landlords who are always happy to work with us in difficult circumstances, um, but it is not the norm and, and we have to get to a situation where um, one, the, the estate is there for people and two, the basis on which they transact is brought into the 21st century and has a, a, a balance both the, there are very good and very bad tenants in the same way as all landlords are not as uh, uh, helpful to 
the, the, the likes of Gry and, and, and Housing Matters, but I want to stress that we do have uh, some very, very good relationships in the private sector. We just need to do more. Michael? I think it really plays into wider concerns as well. I mean, homelessness is often just a, a symptom of problems. We see a lot of problems with mental ill health, uh, and, and that is, goes into the wider concern around health and social care on the island. It'll be interesting to see. They continue to talk about transformation and the, the healthcare transformation fund, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I mean, there's been so much flux and change within the health and social care system over the past number of years, and that hasn't helped some of the most vulnerable people who often fall through the gaps. We still see a real lack of proper community support, and that's what keeps people stable and keeps them falling into homelessness in the first place. So there needs to be a lot more done on that preventative work in the community. Okay, this is The Man in Line. We're live from uh, Millennium Room in government offices today. I'm Andy Wentworth, Joe McGuinness, lead member for finance at Ramsey Commissioners, Tony Brown, former MHK for Calcis, and of course, long-time chief minister on the Isle of Man. Michael Josum has just joined us, chairman of uh, Libvanin, specialist in the e-gaming. Uh, what have you seen, uh, what have you liked, or anything that you've seen of the budget today? What do you think? Yeah, look, this budget looks to me, at first glance, to be a bit of a sneaky little budget in that uh, on one hand, um, you know, they, the headline is that they talk about a surplus, but a lot of that is still coming from, from the government's reserves. And, if you know, for anyone running a business or, or, or a household, if you're taking money out of your savings, that's not a surplus, that's, that's a deficit. Um, lots of capital projects, again, they're down the line, as, as Tony said, um, and the implication is we'll come to the public sector pensions hole, which they say the, will be sorted, they reckon, within four years or so. We'll find out as well. Um, e-gaming has provided uh, a backstop for the, uh, reserve, for the um, finances of the Isle of Man. A big p- proportion of GDP is e-gaming. Um, and, of course, we've seen news in the past couple of weeks, the fact that some people may be leaving the jurisdiction. Is e-gaming there for the long term, do you think? I think it can be. Uh, if this government acts in the long-term interests of the people of the Isle of Man. And, you know, various industry fads will come and go. But what's really important in the long term is you have a, have a, a jurisdiction that's based on credibility um, and honesty and, and long-term, you know, reliability for, the, for pe- businesses and for people. And so, for example, seeing that talk of the 10-year tax cap um, for people earning at the high end might offer some sort of uh, interest to those people. But, uh, you know, perhaps there's an opportunity there for this government to go further and extend that to working families on lower wages and lower taxes as well, um, in that, you know, why, why, why do people on very high incomes receive a guarantee of no more taxes, but people on lower wages do not receive that same guarantee? Look at that time, 23 minutes past 12 midday. We're live from the Millennium Room in Government Buildings. Ewan McGuinness, Lead Member for Finance at Ramsey Commissioners. Tony Brown, former Chief Minister, is here. Michael Josum, Chair of Libvanin. Uh, Michael Manning from Grime. Bill Mummery, a prominent businessman. Selton Manx is also Chair of Housing Matters as well. And uh, one of the people who was here right at the very beginning in e-gaming, was it betinternet.com? Goodness me, uh, that was about 98 and we took that to the London AIM market in 2000. So if anybody can speak about e-gaming on the Isle of Man, you've seen it from the beginning. How is the situation? Is it on the up, on the down or steady as she goes? Okay, well, first of all, as as you've alluded to, the e-gaming sector currently represents circa 24-25% of our GDP. So it's, it's important in that sense. But I think there's a broader importance, which is we absolutely need to grow. 
uh, the skilled, younger, aged working population with skill sets, with salaries, because if we look at our overall um, society in terms of age, clearly it's moving towards an older population. That implies increased health costs, and the only way we're going to pay for those health costs is if we've got the working uh, age group that are earning and paying the taxes. Mm -hmm. So uh, that increase in um, employee numbers in those age groups is important both to drive the economy, uh, make the businesses successful, but it's very important because it's their taxes that will have to fill the gap towards end of life. Are we retaining young people on the island? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that we are losing people at all, but where we are presented with opportunities for growth, then we need, need to be fleet of foot in order that we can, as it were, staff up for those opportunities. Okay, former Chief Minister Tony Brown, what do you have to say? Well, I, I think it's easy to say, you know, and Bill's right in recognising, you know, people get older. Uh, I always get worried when people give the impression that once people are 60 or 65, they're older and they don't contribute anymore to the economy. Well, they actually do. They're big contributors of the economy. Well, what's the retirement age now? 67? Well, 67 coming up, isn't it? I think yes. um, I'm one of the lucky ones. I was able to go to 65, but I went earlier. Um, but I mean, I, I think the whole point is that, um, you know, you've got to keep that balance right. The biggest thing that's coming, which I suppose in a way is surprising, wasn't mentioned in the budget in real terms, is social care. Um, and I think that um, bringing the Department of Social uh, care and the Department of Health together again um, when things have changed so dramatically is not necessarily the best uh, answer. You've talked about this extra money that's been fed into the health care system, um, but there's no guarantee that would go into social care. One of the big issues, and it's a long-term investment, to reduce the pressure on the health service is to actually get a proper social care service in the community and that needs major investment, not only in money, but in personnel. Now, a lot of personnel are already there. The trouble is there's not enough of them to provide the care that is needed for those who need it. And uh, they are a small number of the overall population of those who are of a retirement age and above, you know, getting older. So I think it's, it's really a matter of identifying a proper way forward to deal with social care. We know the UK is struggling with this. It doesn't mean we have to struggle with it. We're a smaller population. We should be able to identify the problems much easier. OK, total government gross spending projected for 2021 uh, is 13,220 per head for every man, woman and child and whatever you identify with on the Isle of Man. Uh, of that, 3,321 is for health and social care services. £1,346, that's nobles, 821 for primary care, 520 for social care services, 199 for free or subsidised prescriptions, and 243 treating Manx patients in the uh, United Kingdom. Michael Josem, you were nodding your head then. Well, I'm a little bit concerned about some of those figures in that it sound, I, I think you need to be very careful what we're talking about here in terms of health spending, in that I think, um, and these, these, budgets are, these numbers have only been released in the last few minutes, um, but I think that that represents an actual a cut in health spending. Because what I think the government has done here, it's a bit of a sneaky little trick that they, they appear to have pulled, is that they're comparing an increase compared to last year's budget. However, what's happened since then is that there's been an increase. The government was overspending. So I think you'll find that the government is projecting for the coming year to actually cut overall health spending. Well, can I just come in on that? Because it, it always confuses the public and always has that every year, partway through the year, the Department of Health, in whatever yes, form it is, has, for more money. has to go for more money. Yeah. 
But there's actually potentially a, a reason why that happens. When the government puts its budget together, by statute it has to produce a budget that's in surplus. Yes. So you can only give out so much money. Yeah. The day after the budget's approved, you can actually start issuing more money if you so wish. So constitutionally, the Isle of Man can't run a deficit? Well, it, it has to change the law. It, has, it would have to rescind that part of the legislation to say it doesn't need a surplus budget. But it's always kept it in, rightly, I think, as a way of controlling um, how Tyndall expends its money. But when the Department of Health comes back and says we need an extra £10 million because we've overspent, to use that term, you will often find that, yes, they have, but it's actually not more than what they estimated they would need to run the rest of the year. But what's happened is the budget's been formulated and possibly their budget's been restricted to ensure that the overall budget of the Ireland government comes within the terms of the law. I think, I think that Tony is, is 100% spot on there, in that, and I think that reveals you know, this sort of sneaky you know, fiddling of, of the numbers here, in that, in that this budget appears to be proposing to spend less money than the current financial year. And, and if you spend less than you did currently, that's a cut in spending. And so, so while they're trying to fiddle these numbers to get this sneaky surplus, which is also driven by taking money out of reserves, it's all, you know, it, it shows that this is a, you know, they're trying to do sneaky things. Well, can we'll I find just, out. Can, can we'll just, certainly find out after one o'clock because yeah. uh, Mr. Cannon will be with us. Yeah, can I just say I don't think it's fair to use the term fiddling numbers. They're not. They're actually formulating figures to make sure we have a balanced budget to present to Tinwald. Because if the Treasury Minister didn't do that he'd be breaking the law. Right. So what happens is that he's got to put together a budget, and he could overcome it, but it would mean that he would cut other departments substantially to make sure all the money went into the health service. Now, you know, the health service, whether we like it or not, is a bottomless pit. We all want good health care for yes. our people and for ourselves, and I think that's absolutely right of any modern society. It's how we manage that. And there are many areas which we can all see where there could be better ways of managing the affairs of the health service. And it's those areas that the minister struggles with to try and deal with. He doesn't deal with the medical operations. He doesn't deal with the assessments of what medicine we take. He deals with the administration of the DHSS. And that's the real difficulty because it's such a big animal, to use a term. OK, Jim McGuinness from Ramsey Commission. Uh, I would completely agree with what um, <coughs> Mr Brown was just saying about the difficulty with the health service realistically you could put any any figure you want in there and you'll always spend it and always find more money to spend but going back to like i'd say the previous five minutes of the discussion i mean i don't know about anyone else but i had absolutely no idea what was going on when we were talking about the figures here they're everywhere being cut you can't do this because that is that not a fundamental problem with where we are as the Isle of Man today that we're having a simple discussion about how much we're budgeting for our health service and you're trying to explain it you sat around a table thinking what the heck's going on I think the point is that uh, budget day is one day out of 365 yeah. days in a year and all it does is produce a pink book which shows for the public, rightly, where the headings of the money are going, right. gives them, if you like, uh, an insight into where government wishes to go, where it wishes to invest, to give us all hope that we're going to get a new school or a new hospital or a new whatever because we can see it's been projected in there and it gives the government something to work forward to on behalf of the people of the Isle of Man. But there's an awful lot not in the budget book that happens every day after that. And that happens in every individual department. And those are things often that we're happy with or we get frustrated with. They're not, they're not per se part of the budget, but they're impacted by the budget. So, uh, uh, Tony Brown, who, who puts the budget together? Is it 
the civil servants? Is it the the Treasury Minister? Is it the Treasury Department? Who decides what's going to go in this? Well, ultimately, the decision is made by um, the Council of Ministers on the recommendation of the Treasury Minister. Um, every department works on a criteria issued by the Treasury Minister uh, sometime in advance, it might be about July in each year, and they then have to see if they can work towards the figures he's given. He, he'll give different departments um, different sort of levels. You can't exceed your expenditure by more than 1% or 5%, depending which department. And then the departments have to negotiate with the Treasury Minister, the Minister of each department, to try and get what he thinks he requires. Is that a functional model then? Is it politically? Does it function properly? Or oh is yeah, it can do. I mean it can do. It, it just it, sounds like it's one giant compromise from, from, you know, the budget comes out one day and then the real work starts after that. Well, the Alamein government and Tinwald is a compromise. It doesn't have a party political system which is structured to run the country where the people vote in a party. So by its nature, by electing 24 MHKs who are all independent, there might be not one or two who are in a party, but you know, generally independent, what it means is that when they come together, and then when Tinwell comes together with the Legislative Council, they all work to make it happen, to make what we require as a society happen. And like any government, whether it's party political or not, it's up and down, it, it has its moments, good bits, bad it's a, bits. It's a permanent coalition. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a very good one because people work together for the good of the island and therefore it does go forward. Now, everybody will say it's not perfect. Well, of course, no system's perfect. You have party political systems throughout the world that are not perfect. In fact, some would be very corrupt um, because there's so much power within that party. Um, and the Isle of Man, the people of the Isle of Man elect a legislature. They don't elect a parliament. They elect one part of it. OK, Michael Josem. One of the thing, outstanding points that uh, Mr Brown made just there is about the importance of having institutional checks. And so it was great to see the Speaker of the House of Keys this week advocating for um, a, a slower budget process so that way it can be properly reviewed and properly analysed and so we can get to the bottom of these numbers. And that there needs to be institutional checks on the executive so that they can't just come in on one day, pass it, all vote in favour, but rather there can be proper scrutiny. And so that way we can get to the bottom of you know, whether how much this government is going to be cutting the health department by and also that we can get to the bottom of exactly how they qualify these uh, so-called surpluses. Uh, Michael, do you think the Isle of Man needs a bigger population? Not necessarily. I, th I think the number of people you know, in the Isle of Man is about right. Uh, because obviously, uh, as, um, as Bill Mummery was saying, that uh, every Western civilization has a demographic time bomb. They have older people. They have the baby boomers living into their 90s now, uh, soaking up state pensions, getting health care, and the working population has to pay for that. And if we don't have younger workers on the Isle of Man, then we will be in trouble. Yeah, I, think, I think there's a great opportunity to really invest in the young people of the Isle of Man, to invest in education, not just at the beginning of their life, but to continue to, to grow their skills over their lifetime. Because I think, you know, if you look back 150 years ago, it might have made sense to put children in a box for 20 years, have them come out, and therefore they're ready to work in the factories of the 1890s or the 1910s. But if we look for the industries of the 2020s and the, into the 21st century, um, I think we're going to need a lot more skilling over the long time. Um, it was good to see in this budget there was some talk of uh, increased assistance for apprenticeships um, and for using people's skills to develop over their full lifetime rather than just at the beginning of their lifetime. And also to pick up on something that Mr Brown said earlier, um, to really take advantage 
of the skills and the experience and the wisdom of our more mature members of our society. In that, it's you know maybe for someone in the in 1900 when you'd been working in a in a factory or a ditch for digging roads and someone for 50 years, you wanted to retire. But a lot of intellectual work these days, people simply do not longer have. A used by an expiry date, and I think there's a real opportunity for the Isle of Man to take advantage of that wisdom, that 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 knowledge, um, and that experience of our more mature Bill citizens. Yeah, I I think there's a danger in in this sort of debate that sometimes we find ourselves looking down the wrong end of the telescope, in as much as growing the economy is not an end in itself. It's a recognition that unless you have uh, an effective means of promoting your island as a place to invest, to set up and to work, that is your engine which allows you to do the important things, which is to support uh, the welfare of your society, whether it's education, whether it's health and so on. But uh, we live in a, a very fast-moving international world nowadays and when from time to time new opportunities present themselves one of the things we've always prided ourselves about as a, as a nation uh, and, and as a government is to be feet afloat to recognize those uh, uh, opportunities I mean goodness me uh, 20 years or so ago with respect and I'm not precious about it but had we not seized this thing called e-gaming mm. It has served us very, very yes. well. I would like to see the next uh, invention, as it were, and reduce the reliance upon a single vertical. But for as long as that is the case, we need to make sure that as the opportunities arise, we can embrace them, we can grow them, because the, the real output is not those businesses, it's how they aid us to f fuel our society. Okay, the man in line uh, election, uh, about, beg your pardon, budget special, uh, through till uh, one o'clock today, and then uh, John Moss will be along with the Baker Tilly Isle of Man budget programme through till two. Uh, we're with uh, June McGuinness from Ramsey Commissioners, Tony Brown, former Chief Minister, Michael Josem, Chair of Le Vannin, uh, Bill Mummery of uh, Sultan Manx, and uh, Associated um, uh, Charities, and uh, Michael Manning of Gry, you wanted to say something, Michael? Yes, I mean, this the, the, the talk about business and the uh, economy. I think we live in, in a very unequal society, and certainly the vulnerable people that we have contact with feel very left behind. Talk of economic growth, talk of opportunities, talk of the wonders of e-gaming. That's been good for part of the Isle of Man, not been good for all of the Isle of Man. And I think there are difficulties with the levels of inequality, um, of wealth and poverty on the island, and difficulties there. And some of the most vulnerable people that we see struggle to access the job market, struggle to access opportunities, str struggle to access health and social care services and feel very much left behind by you know, the bright, shiny um, progress that has been made in other areas. OK, the budget today, it was Alfred Cannon's fourth budget today. He presented his budget, says it's designed to provide focus on the sustainable future. Income tax remains at the same levels. Standard rate for 10%, higher rate is 20 Personal allowance... The level of income before you pay income tax has gone up by £250. Imagine that, a fiver a week uh, of 14250 which Treasury said will lift 465 people out of the tax net. Uh, we're back with our panel of uh, experts and guests uh, chatting through till 1 o'clock today. Good to have you along. Thanks for being with us. It's 18 minutes ahead of one on uh, Max Radio. Just got a note in, by the way, Chris Roberts, your MHK, and key speaker, John Watterson, have raised some concerns regarding the budget. Mr. Roberts has called for an outside panel to look at government productivity. Mr. Watterson says Treasury figures 
asked Spin and called for an Auditor General. He also explained why he'll be voting against the budget. Now, hopefully, we'll be talking to uh, Juan Wasserson uh, after one o'clock. If not, we'll certainly be speaking to uh, Chris Robert Shaw as well. Um, Michael Manning from Gry sadly has uh, left us. He had another appointment, but uh, he's been replaced ably by the leader of the Alabama Green Party, Andrew Langan-Newton. Good to have you along. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. So, uh, £10 million set aside for green initiatives to mitigate the impact of climate change and develop the long-term strategy following Professor Curran's report. Yes, yeah, so to say we haven't moved along a lot since the budget last year where the Alaman Green Party came out and raised concerns about the lack of appreciation of the strategic issues affecting the Isle of Man in respect of climate change, we've come on a long way and it's been impressive and it's been good to see that the government, the parliament as well, has responded to the concerns of the Isle of Man population um, coalescing around the Climate Change Coalition, which the Green Party is um, a party to. In practical terms, what, what do you think should happen? Well, I think we should start with the current report and Professor Curran eruditely identified that we should be spending from public funds at least 25 million per year. So it is bizarre to see the Isle of Man government support the initiative of the parliament in uh, in backing the current report and then just ignoring it in only uh, allocating 10 million pounds. Although I, I would respect that as an important a contribution towards this overarching strategic challenge to the future of the population of the Isle of Man and the Isle of Man's existence in its current state. However, it's just unjustifiable to ignore that report and then move on like so many reports in the past. Um, so in practical terms then, what would the Green Party advocate? Where should we start? If you had your wish, Starting tomorrow, what should happen? Well, I think you will have seen from the Isle of Man government, uh, the Isle of Man Green Party's press release in January 2020 that we should be honest about the realities affecting the Isle of Man, and that should start with the science. We should be led by the science. The politicians make policy decisions guided by the best science, as the Chief Minister has said and others have said. However, the Green Party's position is we're not being led by the best science currently. You can see from the Isle of Man Green Party's uh, carbon budget on the Green Party's website, greenparty.im, that we have a lot less time to transform our society for the interests of our citizens. We don't have until 2050 to be net zero, as the government have tasked Professor Curran with responding to. OK, that all costs money then. Are we talking onshore wind, offshore wind? What about the gas field? What should happen with those? Well, the gas field should be a non-starter. We but sh- Professor Curran says we should go for the gas field because that's uh, less of a carbon footprint than importing Russian gas via the interconnector. Actually, Professor Curran highlighted in his report the concerns around methane leakages um, about from the gas field that could undermine our entire efforts to reduce mm. our carbon emissions. And we should be honest about that. We'd like to see... So uh, you think they should just peg it, seal it and go away? Well, it's, it's, it's sunken assets. We're making investment decisions now. Businesses in the Isle of Man, citizens in the Isle of Man are making investment decisions. They look to the government to show leadership about what the future will be like. If the government are not being honest about the future and say, it's okay, we can burn gas boilers, we can carry on burning gas into the future, into this infrastructure that's going to be set up, it won't be for a decade, it's going to be there, and it won't be able to last for that time. Andrew, we have a gas power station. Yes, yeah, yeah, well, we're honest about that, but the idea that investing in infrastructure, 
we, as a global world that the other man's part of, we've already got enough fields around the world to burn gas that will result in two degrees of warming. Mm. Taking more gas out of the ground is going, actually, we're going to accept a future of beyond two degrees of warming so that it's intolerable. It doesn't, it's unjustified. The fact that the other man gas is buying gas to burn, we should be investing today in reducing that consumption from the gas power station. So do you think we should say, the government maybe should say, look, uh, in five years, we're going to close down Paul Rose Power Station and there'll be enough sustainable electricity produced on the island for everyone to, to operate in that way? Well, the government being honest about the timelines to such infrastructure is a starting place because then businesses can make strategic investment decisions about a future that they can anticipate. If they go in, oh, in 2027, for example, when the Isle of Man is caught up in the global world that has to respond and it hasn't made the strategic decisions that it has to make over the last seven years, then people in the Isle of Man are going to be, well, I've got a gas boiler. I, I'm expecting to buy uh, electricity from the gas power station. We have to be honest today about the future that we know is going to happen and um, try to create a future that we want to have, which is people living sustainable, well-being, happy lives, um, still producing energy, still using energy, but clean energy. So we had time years ago. We had past administrations that didn't take the action that they knew they should have taken. We had the documentation. We have to make tough decisions today because action wasn't taken historically. But we've got to be honest about that action. Taking decisions today, as the Green Party have said, we have to reduce our carbon emissions by in the region of 12 to 13 percent per year okay. from today. That's this year. So. Um, Otherwise, we're going to have to accept huge consequences for everyone in the Isle of Man in terms of floods, in terms of um, issues, uh, food from around the world, in terms of our transport, in terms of coming on and off the island. OK, Michael Joseph, what does Liv Van make of all this? One of the really disappointing aspects of this budget was the failure, as Andrew mentioned, was about investing for the future. And investing uh, in environmental sustainability shouldn't just be about for rich people and for businesses. It should be for all the people of the Isle of Man. And so one of the real you know, holes in this appears to have been, you know, a failure to support new investment in electric vehicles. Professor Curran's report spoke about how um, they w he recommended some sort of support or subsidy of some sort for, for electric vehicles. This failure to include any mention of that in the budget does raise the prospect now that people will hold off investing um, in, in new vehicles in the hope that they'll be able to gain a benefit down the track. And so, you know, if you're a fancy lawyer and, and you know you already have your BMW electric vehicle, then that's, that's all good for you. But for working people around the Isle of Man, then I think that they will struggle um, to make, make the cost of these, um, you know, additional charges, um, especially in the context of cuts to health, as we've talked about earlier, um, but also the increasing cost of housing on the, on the economy um, and continuing pressures on wages. Okay, uh, Bill Mummery, you know all about putting money into emerging businesses with uh, e-gaming 20 plus years ago. How do you feel on um, uh, the climate change as uh, an industry, if you like? Well, uh, I think, first of all, it, it needs uh, universal buy-in. Um, I can think of one or two very, very uh, senior politicians globally that still think that climate change doesn't exist. Uh, of course it <coughs> exists and we absolutely need to, for once in our lives, act in a joined up manner. Uh, I, I think that at the moment we're in a, a phase where there's more communication to be done because my sense, and again some of the involvements I have in the economy, there is actually more going on than is generally understood. So 
part of the, the, the next six months, I think, has to be about uh, bringing people up to date as to what is being done, where it's being done. I think the issue, wind, of course, has to be part of at least the short-term solution. Large-scale um, battery farms is another opportunity. But if you look at our near neighbours as the two crown dependencies, um, and I, I would be interested in, in, in your view on this, um, they have a much better and easier path going forward because they take electricity by interconnector yeah. from France and it's 80% nuclear. And you may remember that the UK over the last five to seven years has actually stalled on two very large yes. uh, investments in nuclear generation. And it would be my contention, without an element of nuclear, you cannot meet these targets. But you have to come, you come to terms with a d different set of issues and policies and principles to embrace, uh, if you're going to meet these targets, one of the alternatives, and one of the alternatives is an element of nuclear. Okay, Devon Watson's joined us. Devon is from the uh, Free Fairs campaign as well. Um, and uh, Devon, you've taken a look at the um, uh, budget today. Regarding that, anything that sticks out for you? Uh, a couple things that have uh, stuck out to me. Firstly, I think it is a validation of the idea that austerity has a wide-scale acknowledgement that austerity itself has failed. We know that the idea of uh, increasingly cutting government programs has not been good for average people in the Alaman, and what we see is a partial reversal of that. What we see is that over the past several years, we've seen massive, massive cuts to government programs. We've seen Meals on Wheels go, we've seen government nurseries go, we've seen things like the Marine Research Centre go, we've seen really aggressive means testing introduced for people and benefits with no discernible benefits that anyone can talk about. But what we've also seen is we've seen homelessness increase. We've seen child poverty increase. We've seen um, housing prices rocket through the roof and we've seen an exodus of young people from the Isle of Man. And hopefully... Cracky, Devon, if you think prices have rocketed nowadays, you should have been here in the 1990s. <laughs> they would have rocketed. I mean, that's all, that's all relative. Um, I, where do you think the money should go then? Where do you think public finances should go to to alleviate some of these... Uh, some of these problems? I think there's some pretty common sense initiatives that you can do that would solve a lot of overlapping crises. So investing in public house construction can simultaneously turn a uh, profit for the government and also reduce housing costs overall. You look it at would also stop all the money that's paid to private landlords as well. Yeah, I know it's a completely unacceptable. You've got houses that are substandard. You've got houses that are not fit for like human habitation that are getting charged extraordinary rents for, and it's absolutely not fair on average working people. It's a travesty that the fact that renting is more expensive than paying a mortgage. So we're charging the people who are paying the most for housing are people who've got the least money at the end of the day. So we can uh, invest in common sense schemes that people have done in, in Nordic countries, in Scandinavia, in Northern Europe. And uh, we can fix some of these overlapping crises through okay. pretty common sense, low cost investment. Okay, uh, we'll be on after one o'clock through till two as well. Uh, John Moss will be uh, with the Baker Tilly Isle of Man uh, budget program. I want to bring in uh, our former Chief Minister uh, Tony Brown because you've been writing furiously down there. What What are you? Yeah, I, I mean, I was, I've listened with interest to lots, and that's fine. I, I think the point that uh, I'd like to respond to the points Andrew has made. I think he's a little bit disingenuous when. He says that nothing's been done previously to reduce our emissions. 
Before we had a natural gas power station, we had two dirty, heavy oil power stations. And the Alamann government 30 years ago decided, as was the trend throughout the world then, to move to natural gas. One, because it gave sustainability of fuel. The other is because it had less of an impact on the environment. It was substantially lower. And also it gave reliability to our, um, our, our people for electricity. Okay. And that was important for businesses. Well, everybody remembers the Sunday evening power cuts, don't they? Well, it used to be horrendous when I was growing up. But even regardless of that, these were dirty, oil-fired, heavy oil-fired power stations and very expensive to run, costing the uh, consumer a lot of money for their electricity. Now, you know, we have to move on from that. I absolutely agree, you know. Our environment is a big issue. I, I suspect we could say out of this budget it's been not really highlighted. I think that's fair to say. It wasn't made an issue. It should have been. Um, but we do have to be practical. We're a very, very small island. We can play a part, but it's actually whatever we do, the impact will be minimal. In fact, the fires in uh, Australia would wipe out any benefit we could make in a year, I'm sure, within the atmosphere. Uh, and I don't know all the technicalities about these things. But, you know, I think we bring people with us if we're acting practically and they can understand what we're doing. One issue I would say is we're buying new buses. They're still diesel. Why don't we buy hybrids? They're on the market. They're down. They're across the water. They cost a little bit more. So what? And why don't we have electric buses to run around the villages instead of... Um, you know, diesel buses. So, you know, the government hasn't a policy on this, as far as I can see, and I'm sure we all agree on that. Okay. It all makes right. no sense. We've got to leave it there. It's been fascinating to talk to our panel. We've got more to come after the news at one o'clock, the Baker Tilly Isle of Man uh, budget programme. Thanks to Juan and Tony and Michael and uh, Michael and Bill and also to Devon as well. I'm Andy Wendt. The Manx Radio Budget Programme, brought to you by Baker Tilly Isle of Man.